0: It is one of those verses in the Bible that no matter what translation of the Bible you have in front of you, it will be almost exactly the same in every one of them. To prove that, here it is from several different translations. The King James Version. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The English Standard Version. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The New International Version. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The New Living Bible. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. The New American Standard Bible. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God's Word translation. Blessed are those who make peace, for they will be called God's children. The New Century Version. Those who work to bring peace are happy, because God will call them his children. And Weiss expanded translation spiritually prosperous for those who make peace, because they themselves shall be called sons of God. Now I didn't take that time to read one verse from eight different translations just to fill a couple of minutes in the pulpit. I did it to prove the point that this verse is virtually universally agreed on how it is to be translated. It's not that hard to understand what Jesus was saying in that beatitude, as we call it, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. In every one of those translations, you heard either the word peace or peacemakers or the phrase make or work for peace. And the reason is very simple. You don't have to have a degree in Greek. Thank goodness, because I don't have one to understand that that word comes from two Greek words. One of them means peace and take a guess what the other one means. Making. Boy, that's a difficult translation. Making peace. Peace. But if you notice that, as with all the other Beatitudes, Jesus pronounced a blessing on those who would do that action or have the attitude. The blessing here is they'll be called children or sons of God. What does peace mean? You know, we live in a world where we don't really understand what peace really looks like. I mean, how many peace treaties have been broken over the years? If you really think about it, it's all of them at one time or another, in one form or another. All of them have been broken. In 1945, the United Nations put forward as a motto. They said that they wanted to have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. That's a great motto. But jump on the Internet or flip on the evening news and you know that it's still not true. In 1970... Richard Nixon ran for president with a statement. We shall have a generation of peace, something we have never had in this nation. That was in 1970. And we're still waiting on that generation, aren't we? You can find some older history books, American history books, that made the claim that from 1815 through 1846 and from 1865 to 1898, America was at complete peace. And notice I said those are older history books. Because if you've read American history at all, you know that both of those windows of time between major wars are bathed with the blood of Americans versus natives. We've never been a nation that really knew what peace means. But it doesn't just have to be on a national or international global level. None of us, it seems, really knows what peace is all the time in our lives. It can be in our lives, it can be in our homes. It can be in our community, and yes, at times it can even be in our congregations, where there is a lack of real peace, where peace is unsettled, where it's just not what we know it should be. This morning, I want us to look at what stands in stark contrast to that, and that is that great beatitude that Jesus gave in Matthew 5 and verse 9, where he tells us that we are to be people who make peace, the peacemakers. We're going to do that in three ways. First of all, we're going to consider what does not bring a blessing. In other words, what did Jesus not say? And then we're going to consider what he did say. What what really brings a blessing? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? And as we close, I want us to think about a very simple point of application. But one that I pray is important to each one of us in our lives. I've also prayed fervently. Will be important to us as a congregation here at Ninth Avenue. But first of all, think with me about the idea of what does not bring a blessing. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Obviously, we could say, well, everything else doesn't fit. But there's some other things that we see in our world around us and even sometimes in our own lives. Well, that are obviously not what Jesus said or meant. First of all, Jesus did not say, blessed are the peace breakers. Now, that would be the most obvious thing that Jesus did not say, because it stands at the complete other end of the spectrum. Some are making peace. While some are breaking peace. And you could say, well, that's the most easiest application I could ever think about because we look at the world around us and we could think of dictators or we could think of leaders of terrorist organizations who, who are breaking peace by attacking those who are innocent, innocent villages. And sometimes we could go to, to more national news and, and think of someone who comes into a school or into a church building and opens fire and, and kills people. That's obviously breaking peace. But it doesn't have to be something that makes national or international news. To be the opposite of what Jesus meant when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. How many people think it's okay just to stir the pot a little bit? I just want to stir things up a little bit. Everything's just too calm. It's interesting to me that the only thing the New Testament tells us to stir up is love and good works. Hebrews ten and verse twenty four. But there are some who just can't seem to stand that things are calm and so they, th- they have to just stir things. I've even heard Christians say, ah, I just like to stir things up every once in a while. And they may say that playfully, but folks it's not what God calls us to be. We should never be the reason why there is total unrest, not just in the world, but in our communities, in the church, in our homes. Remember the blessing that Jesus connected with being a peacemaker. Is to be a child of God. Because a child acts like his or her father. And our God is not a peacebreaker. If you're one who just likes to stir the pot all the time. That blessing is not for you. Jesus did not say bless the peacebreakers. Jesus also did not only say, blessed are the peace lovers. You may say, wait a minute now. I thought we were the people, people who love peace. I mean, after all, Jesus is the one who's called the prince of peace. His word is peace. He is our peace. I mean, we love peace. And that's a good thing to a point. But here's what I mean. Sometimes we can love something from a distance. We can admire something and never take an active part to make it come about. Let me give an example of the opposite of that. Some of you remember, I guess it's not as popular as it used to be. I don't see as many commercials for it or hear as many commercials for it anymore. But some of you remember those commercials that used to run for the Peace Corps, right? It was the organization that, where people go all around the world to, to third world places mostly and dig wells and do a lot of humanitarian type works that were very great, good, good things. And some of you remember those commercials, That always ended with that great, great motto. It's the toughest job you'll ever love. That's not what we're talking about here, because to love that kind of work, you had to go to that village or that desert or that stream or that other country or whatever it was and actually get your hands dirty, actually do the work. The kind of love I'm talking about here is the kind of love that just admires something from afar and never actually does anything to bring it about. Oh, I love peace. Peace. As long as somebody else is doing the work to bring it about. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about peace admiration. He's not even talking about talking up peace. He's talking about something that takes work. Sometimes very difficult work. Jesus also did not just say, blessed are the peace keepers. Now. Peace does not mean that there is no level of confrontation anywhere. Sometimes there's going to be some level of confrontation, some level of difficulty. This is the one, frankly, that I have the most trouble with. I hate confrontation. Some people really, really, really like confrontation. And I'm sorry, I think you're nuts. Okay, I can't stand it. I I will literally lose sleep for days if I know there's a, a confrontation that I know is coming. It drives me bananas to think that that's coming. But here's the problem. Sometimes we can take this idea of keeping peace to an extreme to where I just let hands off of everything. And sometimes the problem never gets taken care of. Those of us who are parents understand that sometimes we can't keep the peace in order to have peace in the end. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we have to disturb the peace in our house a little bit, don't we, with our children. In order to bring about peace in the long run, in order to bring about a long-term good end or good desired outcome, the situation may not be pleasant in the moment. But we are not looking for a short term answer. We're looking for a long term effect. But still, it's very difficult for some people to not just be a peacekeeper. I just want to keep everybody happy all the time. And that's good to a point. But I want to remind you that in James chapter three and verse 17, James tells us that the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable. Wait a minute, what? what did he say? He said it's not wise to just be peaceable. There has to be a purity. May I change the word slightly? A biblical morality behind the peace. And then hold the peace. You see, sometimes we begin just to keep peace to the point that we begin to compromise biblical morality. Just so long as everybody's happy and everybody's getting along. And that's not the way God tells us to be. Jesus did not say blessed to the peacekeepers only. And Jesus also did not say blessed to the peace controllers. Now, you may think that's the exact same thing you just said. But Here's what I have in mind here. You see, there are some who think, you know, what Jesus said is right. Obviously, I mean, he's a great, t- whether I believe him or not. he's a great teacher. I understand that blessed to the peacemakers. But I get to define what peace is. And I'm going to make sure that everybody else falls in line with making sure that I have my way and then everything will be great. That's not peace the way God would define peace. God has already defined what peace really is. It's not up to me to make that that choice, that determination. You see, did you notice that one of those translations that I read at the beginning? I know I read a bunch of them, but the last one I read, the longer one that I put on the screen, instead of the word blessed, it actually used the phrase spiritually prosperous, The reason I chose that to end with is because that's what that word blessed really means. I'm not a big fan of the translations that put the word happy in there. I'm not saying they're bad, but happiness changes so easily. In fact, our English word happy comes from that little three-letter word "hap." It just means circumstances. I I get happy because the circumstances are just right. And the circumstances change. I'm no longer happy. That's not what Jesus is talking about in, in the Beatitudes, the blessed statements. He is saying these things, well... They bring about spiritual prosperity. Literally, the phrase, the word peacemakers, or should be blessed, can be translated fully satisfied. If I'm trying to control the peace, I'm never fully satisfied. Because I'm going to find someone somewhere who is not being peaceful the way I determine peace, and I can never have full satisfaction. But if I define peace the way God defines peace, I can Because my peace is in him. And I'm working for peace with others. So Jesus did not pronounce this blessing. Blessed are. On these things. Blessed are the peace breakers. Blessed are those who only love peace. Blessed are those who only keep peace. Blessed are those who are peace controllers. And so if Jesus did not pronounce a blessing on them. Then let's consider for a few moments what does bring a blessing. Obviously, what he said, blessed are the peacemakers or those who work for or bring about peace. You think about what we just said a moment ago. Jesus is saying that the one who is fully satisfied and the one who is spiritually prosperous is the one who is a peacemaker. Well. I want to have the blessing, don't you, of being a child of God. So how can I do that? Well, a couple of things are necessary. And the first one, you're going to think, wait a minute, you just told us not to do that. First, I must keep peace. And you say, wait a minute, back up, what, three slides, and you've got a slide up there that that points out you were just talking about not keeping a beast. No, that's not what I said. I said, not only peacekeepers. There is a point at which we must keep peace. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul told Christians there, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably or at peace with all. In other words, what Paul is saying is I should never be the reason why the pot just keeps getting stirred. I shouldn't be the one looking for a reason to upset the peace all the time, especially when it's either one, something that's not important or two, something that's against God's word. I should be doing my best to. That when people look at me, they see there is a person who is striving as best he can to live at peace with people. Am I always going to live at peace with people? No. But I'm going to try. So long as it fits within the boundaries of God's Word. But here's the thing. We can't stop there. Because Jesus said, I must also be actively making peace. It's not just keeping peace, it is making peace. You see, it's not just enough to to live my life under a rock and never bother anybody. That'd be pretty peaceful, wouldn't it? Just to never be around anybody. But you cannot follow the other commands of the New Testament that Christians are supposed to follow and never be around people. You cannot follow, for example, the Great Commission without ever being around someone. You can't follow the Great Commandment to love others and love love God and love neighbor without being around your neighbors. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. He, He couldn't have helped the guy if he wasn't around the guy. And we could go on and on and on. Christians are to be among one another, obviously. Loving and encouraging and helping one another. We are also to be in the world. Not of the world, but in the world. Teaching, helping, encouraging. Some people won't like it. Some people may hate it. Some may resent it. But our our role is to pursue peace. Putting people at peace with God. And actively making peace within the boundaries of God's word. But how do I do that? I mean, it's, it's an easy thing to say. Every one of us read Matthew 5, 9 and go, all right, bless the peacemakers. I get it. And I know I'm supposed to be doing that, but it's hard, isn't it? I mean, after all, we're dealing with people. And some people are just hard to deal with. How can I be the one who is actively making peace? Let me be four biblical ways. First of all, let your words be peaceful. We could look at all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about how we're to control our speech. My favorite is in the book of Colossians. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. That's my favorite verse on, on our words. But I think the one that summarizes it the best is in Proverbs 15:1, where Solomon began that verse by saying, a soft anger turns away wrath. When I speak in a way that is soft, in other words, when I speak in a way that is peaceable, peaceful. It's hard for somebody just to keep fighting, isn't it? It turns away that wrath. Early in the history of the U.S. Confederacy, some of you may have heard this story before. There was another general besides Robert E. Lee, General Whitting, who was going around absolutely lambasting General Lee just continually talking about how he was just a poor leader and all these terrible things. And finally, Robert E. Lee had a chance to return in kind when Jefferson Davis, President Jefferson Davis, called him in for a meeting and asked him specifically, what do you think of General Whitting? Robert E. Lee said he's an able leader in the battlefield. A good leader to men. And there was another official in the room who called Robert E. Lee aside and he said, Do you not know what all General Whitting is saying about you? And Robert E. Lee in wisdom said, I know it. But the president did not ask for his opinion of me. He asked for my opinion of Whitting. A soft answer turns away wrath. I must speak words. I must type words. That are peaceful. Also. I must be patient. It's so easy to just lash out. When we see someone doing something we disagree with. Or even when they attack us. But patience is so very important. Biblical agape love. That other centered self-sacrificial love. That's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The chapter that's so often used at weddings. Love is patient. First thing on the list first Corinthians 13 four and as Paul is wrapping up that description near the end of the list in first Corinthians 13 and verse 7 he says that this kind of love bears all things. now keep something in mind it is not wrong to use first Corinthians 13 at a wedding I, that's fine I've, I've been asked to read that many times at weddings. but what's the context of what Paul was writing about First Corinthians chapters 12 13 and 14 are dealing with the division in the congregation. In fact, read the whole book of 1 Corinthians sometime. they got all kinds of problems. And as Paul is beginning to wrap up that lesson, he says, what kind of love needs to not just be symbolized, but be lived out in the lives of these Christians? Love that is patient. What if is doing something wrong against me? Patience gives them a chance to make it right. What if someone is not doing something wrong against me, and I think they are? Patience gives them a chance to explain themselves. Patience listens before it lashes. If I want to make peace, sometimes everything within me wants to just explode. But I better have some patience. How do I do it? How do I become a peacemaker? I also disturb the peace when necessary. Wait a minute. So hang on a second. This goes against everything you've been talking about for the last what, 17, 18 minutes? Not really. Not really. In fact, Matthew chapter five and verse nine, blessed the peacemakers. Who said that? Jesus. Five chapters later, Matthew chapter ten, also from the words of Jesus. Matthew ten and verse thirty-four, he said, "Do not come that I have. Do not think that I have come to bring peace into the world." I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And we ought to say that families would be set apart by what he said. What was he saying? Was he saying go out and attack people and be cruel? No. What he's saying is sometimes we must disturb the short term peace in order to bring about long term peace. Jesus did not come so that families would be destroyed. He was saying sometimes that's what's going to happen. Even when we show peace. Even when we point people to the prince of peace. Sometimes difficult things need to be done in order for real peace to come about in the long run. Think of the health of our bodies. If you want to think of that as a symbol of peace, sometimes we have to do things that disturb the peace, if you will, of our bodies in order to bring about long term healing. We might think of lancing a wound. That's not real pleasant in the moment. It's disturbing the health of our body. But it's pulling out that toxin or that poison that could make a whole lot worse something a whole lot worse and making a health over time. We should never be the ones who just stir the pot just to be stirring the pot. But sometimes we must seek peace in a conversation, in a relationship that may be difficult in the moment because we're seeking the ultimate peace of God. How do I do it? Number four. I instigate forgiveness. Notice I did not just say I grant forgiveness, rather I instigate forgiveness. Isn't that what God taught us? Well, yeah, I mean, we need to repent if if we've sinned, right? But God has already done the work of forgiveness on the cross of Jesus Christ. He stands ready to forgive because of what he has already done all those years ago at Calvary. In fact. Think about what Jesus said just 12 verses after he said, "Blessed to the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. In Matthew 5, starting in verse 21, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Most of us know that teaching, but keep going. Because Jesus continues that same thought with this teaching. So if you are offering your gift at the altar. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Now notice the intentional wording that Jesus made there. If your brother has something against you. Jesus never minced words. Jesus never misused words. Think about the implication of that one phrase. It could be that my brother, this person, has something against me that is legitimate. That I have done something wrong against them intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but it's hurt them. And it's legitimate. They have something against me because of that. What did Jesus say? He's saying I need to be willing to go make it right, repent of it, or explain what happened. But he also could have meant, what if My brother has something against me that is not legitimate. He didn't just say. If your brother has something legitimate against you. All he said was, if your brother has something against you. What if it's illegitimate? What if it's not true? Jesus did not say. I'm going to stand back. And make them come groveling for my forgiveness because I have put them in a situation. That's all that's necessary. He said, you go and start the process. You want to talk about one of the hardest teachings in the New Testament. I just gave it to you. Even if I am the one who is in the right I start the process of forgiveness. I instigate it. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you forget taking sides, and you remember that first your brothers. First, and foremost, what blessing does that bring? Blessed to the peacemakers. For they shall be called a child of God. A child acts much like his or her father. And our father is a peacemaker. And we must be as well. It's not easy. No one ever said it was. In fact, none of the Beatitudes are easy. But it's necessary in order to make us more like God, more godly. Each and every time we're willing to do what is difficult. Well, that's a nice sermon, preacher. I guess we've got about eight more minutes and then go home. Well, that may be what you're thinking. But folks, I can't let this lesson go without making sure some things are said. I love this congregation. I wouldn't have moved my family here if I didn't love this place. There are so many people here for whom I'm so thankful that I can call brothers and sisters in Christ. I love this place. But, folks, this lesson is long overdue because we need to be reminded of what it means to be peacemakers. I know, I know that there are still hurt feelings. I hear about it at least weekly, if not far more often. Thankfully, always in a respectful way. For that, I'm so thankful. Don't be thinking ahead of me. I'm not about to try to take sides on any issue. Because, folks, the only side I ever want to be on is the Lord's side. But Ninth Avenue. If this congregation is going to continue the good things that have happened the last few months, It is going to take all of us being peacemakers. Not some. Not just the leadership. All of us. It's going to take some who continue to stir the pot, whether it's in the building, whether it's around town, whether it's on Facebook. It's going to take those people stopping it and making peace. It's going to take Some deep and difficult conversations between members and leaders where there's not name calling, where there's not finger pointing, but where there is the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. It's going to take Christian maturity. It's going to take real forgiveness, not just lip service. It's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take prayer for wisdom. It's going to take prayer for patience, the patience that only God can give. Folks, what do you want this place to be? I want it to be the most loving place in town. But that will not happen. Unless all of us are on board. Don't believe me? It's exactly what the Apostle Peter wrote. In First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. He said, finally... It'd be good for a few of you. No. Elders, this is for you. No. Majority of members. No. All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain what? You may obtain a blessing. And pursue it. Don't just assume it will happen. Don't let it be an afterthought. I want Ninth Avenue to be a place of God's true peace. But it only comes when we all seek peace and pursue it with every other member of our family. And I'm not saying let bygones be bygones. I'm not saying just forgive and forget. I'm saying that every one of us in this room needs to look in the mirror of God's word and honestly ask myself, am I doing what God has commanded me to do? Seek peace and pursue it. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are the ones who are the children of God. Implication, if I'm not a peacemaker, I'm not. Because I'm not like my father. I love you. I wouldn't preach this if I didn't. I wouldn't have lost hours of sleep over the last few weeks over this one sermon if I didn't. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. And if I may say so boldly, I'm staying because I do. Folks, this is not just a sermon to elders. It's not just a sermon to a handful of people. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. It's a time we sought peace. Godly peace. The hard work of peace. And if and when we do. God will bring about a blessing that we could have never believed possible because He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. I'm asking, but in reality I'm begging this morning for someone or someones to say, It's time for me to do the hard work. It's time for me to start the process. Blessed are the peacemakers. And if you desire to be one this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing to encourage you.